Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the channel where today we're going to be talking UK inflation. The figures just came out yesterday, not good. Government debt, this one may shock you, as well as the new interest rate rises which have just been announced. And what on earth has just been announced with UK pensions? I think you'll find this one quite interesting. So with that said, let's get straight into it because this week's been a crazy one. Let's just start with that. Let's begin with Bloomberg then. And the Bank of England has been told by who you may ask that it must force a recession. Not just that, the bond market has flashed a recession warning as the yield curve has inverted the most since the year 2000. So remember, it didn't even do it this severely in the 08 crisis. And with this rate rise just announced, banks are also back in the danger zone. So let's go over to BBC then and let's pick up on the story. Uh, UK inflation shock. This is really grim is what the BBC says. This is a grim number. Inflation isn't just stubborn or sticky. It is on the latest numbers stuck. I'll show you why they are saying that in a moment. These figures should be falling by now and they are in other countries such as the US and Germany. So why is it not happening in the UK then? Over the past 18 months, the governor of the Bank of England has told the BBC workers should not ask for excessive pay rises. Now, I think it's funny they use the word excessive here because pretty much any pay rise in their mind is classed as excessive. They're saying that it's the people's fault. And in fact, let me just get you the comment that I picked out earlier. Here we go. The Bank of England blames inflation on the war in Ukraine and employees asking for higher wages. Well, we know this is a lie and this is just not the case at all. Of course, they're going to keep using this pretense, though, in order to justify the fact they created too much uh, currency. So they're saying these polite requests for workers not to keep asking for more and higher wages have not worked. <laughs> um, Karen Ward, no, again, no relation to me, a respected city economist who serves on the Chancellor's Council of Advisors that the Bank of England, okay, let's see what she's saying, has to create a recession partly to nip in the bud a spiral of wages going up and in turn pushing up prices and then pushing up wages again. So we asked initially, who is saying that the Bank of England must force a recession? Well, I think we've got our answer. Who is Karen Ward, you may ask? Let's find out. Ah, hold on. JP Morgan Asset Management. <laughs> Gosh, I mean, you just can't make this stuff up. The chief market strategist for EMEA at JP Morgan. Okay, so now we know where this is coming from and who is telling the Bank of England it must force a recession. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. It's only when companies feel nervous about the future that they will think, well, maybe I won't put through that price rise. Or workers, bear in mind, this is uh, from this Karen Ward lady, when they're a little bit less confident about their job, think, oh, I won't push my boss for that higher pay. No, do push your boss for that higher pay, everybody. She said out loud what the Treasury cannot say out loud, but has implied in repeated interviews. People have to feel the pain for interest rate rises to work. Well, no, I mean, I really dislike the way they keep saying that, that the people have to pay. The people have already paid 
That is what inflation is. It is a tax. Imagine that you've worked for, let's say that you're near retirement age, you know, I don't know, let's say you're 70 years old, for example. You started work at 20. You've done 50 years worth of work. Well, think about this mathematically. In the last year alone, with a 10% inflation rate, that has wiped out five years worth of work for you. But actually it's a lot worse than that because it compounds. Because remember the money you weren't here 50 years ago is only worth this amount today when you add on inflation of all those years on top. So what they've done is very, very sinister. Inflation, the expansion of the monetary supply is a tax. And that's what you've got to understand. So what they're talking about is now they've taxed everyone via inflation. And now they're saying you shouldn't push for your higher wages. And that now you have to feel the pain on top of this via the higher interest rates to work. The Chancellor again said he would support the Bank of England in its decisions, making clear his support for further rate rises. One other thing I wanna mention here is I did some calculations for you uh, earlier today. And this was around the rates that we've talked about so far. So we mentioned the 6% is the breaking point for the housing market in the UK. So they are mortgage rates, not the base rate. Remember, it's different. And we'll get onto the interest rate rises in, in a moment here. But in terms of a base rate that actually breaks the economy and pushes the UK very strongly into a recession, that is a 6% base rate. Well, what's just been announced? A 5% base rate. And I'm pretty, I mean, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm fairly confident that by the end of this year, we'll be very close to that 6% rate. And even we could see just a wild card occur and that rather than rates coming back down, this could push into 2024, either Q1, Q2, even Q3, but I doubt Q3. And you could see a wild card of 6.25, 6.5% base rate. At that sort of rate, bearing in mind there's a, a lag effect, there's a knock-on effect that goes way into the future by at least 12 months, this is going to drag out a recession that would have been bad, but it could potentially make it a lot worse. So this is what we're working with at the moment. What are they saying then are these major issues? Well, they're saying surging energy prices. And again, they're blaming it on the Ukraine war. They're not blaming it on self-sanctions that they enacted in order to cripple Russia's economy, but it didn't work. It's only crippled our own economies. They're also mentioning food prices. Again, they don't explain that, but that's as a result, again, of sanctions and of the fertilizer prices and also the natural gas prices and everything else that was used to make the fertilizer. I mean, I could go on and on, but we'll leave it at that point. And then the worker shortages as well. So if you look at this, this cocktail of three problems, these are all self-inflicted that the government and the central bank did, but mainly these are government-induced problems. Of course, they never say that. Another key point then is the post-Brexit policies on workers. I guess we can say these are migratory workers. And if you recall those sort of videos I did at the, the time around the impacts of Brexit and things like that, one of the things that I said was, if you just cut off all of the, the workers from Eastern Europe and other places that are doing these jobs that British people simply don't want to do. And I think a, an example at that time was a you know, farm laborers and fruit pickers and packers and things like that. 
And I was talking about how that would just absolutely collapse and we'd see major issues. We'd probably see food rotting in the, in the fields and, and such. And that is what did occur. We did actually see that happen. And then of course, the second part to that was I talked about the truck drivers and how a lot of the HGV drivers were not British and that when a lot of them went down over lockdowns and things like that, they would just not come back. And of course we saw that. So we've seen all of these knock-on effects that could have been resolved if the government was more proactive as opposed to reactive. But of course that is governments everywhere for you. They always do two things. They uh, react to problems and they try to create inlets for them to win the next election. So how much are they really looking after the people you ask? Not, not a huge amount. Their focus is getting re-elected, leaving this you know, legacy to make themselves look good and to be reactive. Now, the next key thing that's just been announced is that the UK national debt breached 100% of GDP for the first time since 1961. So we're going back over 60 years since this last happened. So we now have a national debt of 3.28 trillion, which is more than the GDP of the country. The bleak milestone was passed as spending exceeded revenue by 20 billion, more than private sector economists and the independent office for budget responsibility had forecast. No surprise. UK debt is now greater than the size of the economy. Now, this is an interesting chart because it shows World War One here. It shows World War Two, which was the highest. It was around 250 percent of GDP uh, before it sort of contracted right the way down. Then we had the financial crisis of 08, we had COVID, and now we have the crisis that we are in now, which again is man-made. Now, the other thing to bear in mind is the debt servicing costs. So every time the Bank of England puts up the base rate as well, this adds on to debt. So it doesn't just affect us as consumers, but it also affects us via the debt that gets added on into the future. And these forecasts are just getting worse and worse and worse for the UK all the time. The government had just 6.5 billion of headroom against its rule that debt must be falling as a share of GDP by the fifth year of the forecast in its March budget. Every percentage point increase in borrowing costs adds around 20 billion pounds and market rate projections are currently around 1% higher than in March. All right, let's hear what Jeremy Hunt had to say, Chancellor of the Exchequer. It would be manifestly unfair to leave future generations with a tab they cannot repay. <laughs> All the irony of that statement. That's why we have taken difficult but necessary decisions to balance the books in order to halve inflation this year, grow the economy and reduce debt. Okay, I mean, that is just absolute nonsense. I'm just absolutely amazed of the, the things that comes out of his mouth. But let's look at the UK inflation rate then. And this is the issue, the sticky issue they're calling it. So all the forecast showed a minimum of 0.4% drop. That was the minimum they were talking about. They were talking about 8.3% inflation for this month. And it stayed exactly the same. But even worse than that was what's known as core inflation. And this, ladies and gents, is serious. When core inflation rises, look at this, it's actually gone up. This is where things get very, very problematic. And that's why all the forecasts for the UK economy uh, from forecasters all around the world are very, very dire right now. This is very serious because the core inflation is, is where you cut out 
all the volatile things such as energy and food. So what happened then with the rate rises? Well, the Bank of England actually, and I've got to say, I was somewhat surprised as well that they did do 50 basis points because that is a huge move for any central bank to do. So I was surprised when they did it, although when I saw the inflation numbers that came out yesterday, I thought there could be a chance that they did it. But the only problem with doing that is that sometimes you're better off doing it um, large amounts sooner rather than later. Because remember, there is a, a lagging effect on this. So core inflation is now the highest since 1992. So over 30 years since we've had core inflation this high in the UK. So what is the bank base right now? It is 5%, so we're only 1% off the economy um, having major, major issues. Because if we look at this chart here, you can see the core inflation, you can see the CPI, the consumer price index. So it has dropped from this much higher rate. Remember, we were into double digits for a while, but now it, it's sort of stuck at this rate. It hasn't come down heavily as they were talking about, and the core is actually going up. So it's starting to get embedded. So what is the governor saying? What is Andrew Bailey saying? We know this is hard. Many people with mortgages or loans will be understandably worried about what this means for them. But if we don't raise rates now, it could be worse later. Yeah, and it could be worse later if you keep creating more currency. And we even have this chart here and it shows the rates uh, back to the sort of 08 crisis here. And we saw what the response was there. But because there wasn't this high level of inflation back then, rates could stay lower for longer. But now they're having to really ramp these rates up. And it's been a long time since we've had rates of, of this level. This was a sort of 2000.com crisis. Back over to the BBC then. Just want to show you a couple of lines from this article. The average two-year fixed residential mortgage now stands at 6.19%. So we're well into that 6% rate that I mentioned. But what you've also got to bear in mind about the UK housing market is what I've talked about this week, in that there is a huge undersupply of housing and a massive demand due to new people entering the country. So we're having a lot of pull on the housing sector at a time when a number of landlords as well, because of the new acts coming in, are exiting. So you're getting more homeowners that are stepping in to, to buy these houses. But you're also having this massive uptake in the government actually renting houses privately from landlords. We've got to also add on that there's another major problem coming down the line, and that is that between now and the end of the year, there's 800,000, minimum this is, minimum, 800,000 fixed rate mortgages in the UK that are about to end. That means it's somewhere in the region of £465 on average that is going to get added on to people's mortgages when they go on to this new fixed rate. But that was before this new half a percent rate. So now you're talking about more than £500. In fact, it could even be more than that. But remember, there's a lot of mortgages that are going to have a thousand, twelve hundred, fifteen hundred pounds added on to those mortgages per month. This is just think about that from your household budget a thousand pounds or more added on per month to your mortgage payment. This is the severity of the situation right now. So, this is why a lot of people keep asking me, um, Neil, give me a new forecast for the UK housing market. Our house price is going to just absolutely crash, or what's going to happen here? 
And the answer is it depends right now. I don't think anyone can forecast this with absolute certainty because we need to see where these rates are going. And also remember that the mortgage companies don't have to follow any sort of model around the base rate. So you could see more and more products being pulled. You could see money going elsewhere. You could see rates going up on mortgages higher than what you would expect otherwise. There is a lot that's going on that could affect this. But what we're also seeing, remember, is all of this investment from overseas buyers. So we're getting people coming from all around the world just coming into the UK market and buying up loads of the houses. And a lot of them are not even lived in. People are just parking their money in UK houses. There's been a lot of um, investigations and documentaries on this, which um, are quite good if you want to look into any of this and, and watch any of these. But this is another problem. So this is why it's so difficult to forecast UK house prices and why all of these experts, even the Halifax and the Nationwide, and you've got all these really good people that I followed for years and they're getting it completely wrong at the moment because it is so difficult because you've got government policy, Bank of England policy, and then you've got home office policy. You've got a lot of things going on without me going any further on that. Now, finally then, I just wanted to mention this article that just broke. And this is very um, unusual. So let me just tell you who this is. This is Tata Consultancy Services, so an Indian company. And this follows on the heels of Infosys, another Indian company which is owned by Rishi Sunak's father-in-law. Although we, uh, after the last time, we don't go into that topic anymore. Goodness me. But this is the headline. So this is the, the consultancy company. They've won a 1.9 billion UK deal to digitalize some of the UK pension schemes. You might say, huh? What, what, what is going on here, Neil? Why are they digitalizing the UK pension schemes? Well, I don't have the answer to that just yet myself, but I can tell you what has just broken just now, and that is that they are going to be creating these digitalized retirement solutions for 12 million members of the Nest Online pension scheme. The contract worth £840 million has been signed for initial tenure of 10 years with an optional extension period of up to five years. This is the fourth largest deal that India's biggest outsourcer has struck in the UK so far this year. It follows the Marks & Spencer deal, Phoenix Group and the contract for Kiwan, the teachers pension scheme in England and Wales earlier this month. Now, I can't tell you exactly what is going on there, but it does seem quite interesting. I'll have to look into this when I have the time. But one thing I'm noticing is whenever I see the word digitalization or to bring a digital identity into something, it does make me think of the integration with the CBDC that we know is coming. Because what uh, these things take time, you've got to bear in mind, pension schemes and investments and everything else. You've got to have a long-term plan to bring these things together. So the fact that even the English teachers' pension schemes and some of these other big schemes are being digitalized says to me, well, what exactly does that mean? Weren't they digital beforehand? I mean, what were they using, pen and paper or something? Obviously, they were digitalized, but what does it mean now when they say digitalized? Drop it in the comments below what you think this means. But I'm wondering if it's anything to do with this CBDC that's coming up, but I think only time will tell. That's all we have time for today, but I will see you tomorrow for the best video of the week. 
the weekly walk and talk. Until then, take care. God bless. I'll see you tomorrow.